2: When were the... What school's... Who decides what the next...
1: Where's that story? Why
2: they keep the loop... What is this?
0: It's Curious City. Where WBEZ answers your questions... About
1: Chicago, the region, and its people.
0: Hey, I'm reporter Stephen Jackson. There are two kinds of neighborhoods in the Chicago area. Those with alleys and those without might not seem like an important distinction, but consider. Chicago is the alley capital of the country. We have 1,900 miles of them. As the crow flies, that would get you from Chicago to Mexico City. And unless you're taking out garbage or squeezing a U-Haul back there, you probably don't think about alleys. But Chicago architect Dan Weiss doesn't take his alley for granted.
2: It's the rec room of the block. Mm -hmm. It's where everybody's basketball hoops are hung. It's great.
0: Weiss grew up in Lincoln Park, where he played in the alley behind his family's row house.
2: Saturday mornings, all the garage doors would open up and um, people would be working on cars or you know, working on a woodworking project or taking the garbage out, and you could have a relationship with them, um, kind of a neighborly thing. But it was very different than, than the people you would meet on, on your street.
0: Weiss doesn't play in the alleys anymore, so he says. But he is curious about them.
2: The question was, Um, Where do the alleys that that exist in Chicago, who mandated them, um, like basically why are they there? So the short answer to the question is, by 1830, it was so commonplace to use alleys in laying out new towns that the General Assembly simply expected it to happen in Chicago.
0: This is Dennis
2: McClendon. I call myself a Chicago geographer and historian.
0: McClendon says in the early 1800s, Illinois wanted to encourage business and land sales. The state wanted the Chicago surveyor to get things right, so it required him to include, quote, town lots, streets, and alleys. Why were alleys so important to legislators? If only I could find someone who researches alleys. My name is Michael Martin,
1: and my research interest is alleys.
0: Martin's a professor of landscape architecture at Iowa State University. He says alleys date back to Roman times, but Americans started building alleys on a massive scale as they expanded west. So let's rewind to the 1700s. America was young and had hardly touched anything west of the Ohio River.
1: There's just this one thing you can do without having to go and explore all of it is just to lay a grid over that giant swath of land. And sell it to pioneers.
0: This land ordinance of 1785 divided the western United States into square townships. Then, each township was split into smaller and smaller sections.
1: That leads to towns having square blocks, you know, 16th of a mile square blocks, and then ultimately the alley inside of that block.
0: So the big picture is, gridded westward expansion naturally led to blocks with alleys. Dennis McClendon has another theory for why alleys were big in the West. On the frontier, lots of city folks owned horses.
2: Well, the horse has the... (laughs) the inflow and outflow uh, problems. You have to bring in a lot of hay. You have to muck out a lot of manure.
0: And to keep the muck off the streets, city planners were highly motivated to build alleys. Martin says that makes sense. Yes, alleys were good for dirty stuff. At a time without indoor plumbing or garbage trucks, people kept their waste back in the alley, away from living quarters.
1: This is one of the reasons why alleys have this kind of dark and uh, nasty reputation. You know, they were were very much the kind of grimy service part of daily life. And so it wasn't expected that this would be a well-maintained landscape. It was kind of a landscape of uh, raw utility.
0: So because of the land grid, and for reasons that smelled terrible, alleys spread through Chicago and nearby towns. But things started to change in 1869. That year, Frederick Law Olmsted, the father of landscape architecture, laid out Riverside on the outskirts of Chicago. Well, it was the outskirts back then. Today, it's in the near-west suburbs. Riverside was the first planned suburb in America and the beginning of the end for alleys. Constance Guardi from the Riverside Historical Commission walks me around town. She says Olmsted wanted a community for the future a combo of countryside peacefulness and urban luxury. The streets are wide and windy, and lined with trees.
1: The plan was so that it would meander, rather than, you know, that hustle and bustle.
0: Big houses sit back from the street, behind lush, rolling lawns, and there's no alley in sight. Do you think that it was a difficult choice for the planners of Riverside to leave alleys out?
1: No. The plan was I don't think would have even considered alleys. I mean, I've never liked alleys.
0: Really? No. Tell me about your And I'll tell you why
1: I didn't like alleys. They were dirty.
0: For years, Riverside was just odd. Other suburbs that popped up around it, like Berwyn and Cicero, followed Chicago's lead, with alleys and a grid. Look at a map today, and Riverside is a squiggly green island in a sea of squares. But Olmsted's plan for Riverside was ahead of its time. By the turn of the century, more planners designed communities to be beautiful and clean, counterpoints to the industrial city. Instead
1: of the old, boring grid of the national survey, we're now going to do curving streets because they're different and they're modern. It becomes the new way to do things.
0: At the same time, sewage tech and garbage collection improved, so cities didn't need service lanes to take care of all the dirty stuff anymore. And this was the dawn of the automobile age, which meant, one, less horse poop, and two, more people commuting into the city from wide open suburbs, where planners didn't have to conform to a dense city grid. They could have
1: large lots and wide streets. And so the street is the main thing. We now have have street design accommodating all of the utilitarian needs of the neighborhood.
0: Over time, Chicago stopped expanding, and the divide I mentioned earlier got solidified. New places sprang up without alleys, while the city and the oldest suburbs were left with alleys they'd built decades earlier. So what to do with Chicago's inherited alleys? For one, the city's repaving them to prevent runoff and flooding. And there's a group sponsoring parties in downtown alleys to test if they could become social spaces. For questioner Dan Weiss, who always liked hanging out in alleys, it's nice that they're finally getting some attention.
2: It's interesting to see how the city has has kind of accepted that thing with a certain rationale, and then it's really kind of just changed over time. It hasn't become irrelevant. You know, the way people kind of inhabit their, their city adapts to this reality, to this physical reality.
0: This story was reported by me, Stephen Jackson. Support comes from the Doris and Howard Conant Fund for Journalism.
2: The City is supported
1: by Goose Island. Since 1988, Goose Island has been following their curiosity and have been committed to brewing beers for Chicago that are celebrated worldwide by beer critics and beer lovers alike. More at GooseIsland.com. We don't need to be the only beer you drink. We just want to be the best you drink. Next time on Curious City... Illinois is the second flattest
0: state in the country. But you wouldn't know it from the way Chicago suburbs are named.
1: Highland Park, Arlington Heights, Mount Prospect, Prospect, Prospect Heights, Heights
0: right. Palos Heights, Chicago Heights, Barrington Hills,
1: Rolling uh, Meadows. Um, um,
0: the reasons behind Chicago's flatness complex. That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City.